This could just be the most star-studded the 2000s chart show ever. Let's hope that no one gets carried away. Look, yep. I have the autograph of Craig David, but I'm not bothered because I'm Mick Hockenall from Simply Red. And I'm yep. on the show. Yep. Move him. It's still number one. It's the 2000s chart show. Hello and welcome to the 2000s chart show, the podcast reliving the UK top 40 of 20 years ago. And just like Connie and Richard said in the introduction, this is quite the starry UK Top 40. In terms of banger for banger ratio, one of the best weeks that we've done so far on this podcast, we have new songs coming up from Madonna, Eminem, Blur, Avril Lavigne, Kim Marsh and Pink. I'm sorry, I misspoke there. I mean, P exclamation mark, unk. And of course, we have Beyonce's Crazy in Love. It was number one this time last week. But will Queen B be number one again? We will find out at the end of this podcast. But first, let's set the scene a little bit for this week, 20 years ago. So on the 17th of July, the British government passed the Communications Act of 2003, which made sending a malicious communication using social media a criminal offence. Social media in 2003? What did that look like? Well, here are just some of the social media sites you could have used in 2003. Prepare for waves of nostalgia to slowly move up your spine. You had MSN Messenger, Live Journal, Habbo Hotel, and Friends Reunited. And in May 2003, LinkedIn launched. Sometimes I like to throw in LinkedIn. For the professional shouties. Our first social media law there, despite the fact that Facebook is still seven months away in July 2003. So the modern world and the modern hellscape, of course, that we live in, creeping up in 2003. But still, 2003 in many ways does feel like a very different time to 2023. None more so than in the episode of Top of the Pops that aired this week 20 years ago. I've had some people asking where I'm finding these Top of the Pops episodes that aren't on YouTube. I can't tell you that, but I will do my best to upload certainly all of the performances we talk about on this show onto YouTube and hopefully a few entire episodes. So keep an eye out for them. But let's talk about this episode of Top of the Pops, which hopefully I'll be able to share with you. So our presenters as you heard at the beginning, are Connie Huck and Richard Bacon, which honestly in itself is quite the naughty stunt. Obviously, Connie Huck at the time, a actual Blue Peter presenter, and they, in a brilliant, snarky Top of the Pots touch, have put her alongside Richard Bacon, the BBC presenter who famously got thrown off Blue Peter for doing cocaine. But not only do we have Connie Huck and Richard Bacon, unfortunately, we also have the Bow Selector character, Avid Merriam. Hello to you. My name is Avid Merriam. I am the number one celebrity super fan here in the world. I had actually forgotten that in between doing loads of blackface and being Keith Lemon that the actor Lee Francis had an even less funny character. But he did, and he was called Avid Merian. His bit was that he was obsessed with celebrities and he had a neck brace. And clearly people thought this was hilarious in 2003 because he is all over this episode. And so if it wasn't bad enough that Connie Huck and Richard Bacon already had kind of over-eager six-former energy, you also have this guy trying to do funny bits. Which, again, a huge shame when you have Madonna, Eminem, P! Exclamation Park, Unk, Blur and Beyonce all on the same episode to have wasted it with a joke it was literally only funny until about August 2003. But the past is always going to disappoint us and with that in mind let's head into the top 40 from 20 years ago at number 40 in its fifth week on the chart down from 37 last week this is jennifer lopez's i'm glad
leaving the chart most likely after five weeks. Not anywhere near as successful as her previous singles but if you still want to hear that song in full and in fact all of the songs that we play on this show you can find them on our specially dedicated Spotify playlists we have a playlist featuring all of the songs that are available on Spotify that we play on the show and another one with my favourite songs that we play you can follow on Instagram a Linktree link that will take you to our Spotify playlist so check those out if you want to hear the full songs as we go along and you can head over to our YouTube for any songs that for whatever reason have not made it onto Spotify yet. Two songs that you'll definitely be able to hear on our Spotify playlists are our number 39 and number 38 songs from the UK top 40 this day 20 years ago. This is At 39, Linkin Park with Faint and at 38, Ocean Colour Scene with I Just Need Myself. Turn your back like you always do Face away and pretend that I'm not But I'll be here cause you're all that I got Ocean Colour Scene there with a 25 place drop in the chart. That might be the biggest drop that we've seen on this show so far. Seeing as that is a outdated Britpop song inexplicably coming out in 2003, I feel pretty good about that drop. At number 37, though, we have our first new entry of, I think, 14 new entries this week. A busy week and just scraping into the UK top 40 in this busy week are Entrance with Destiny. there is the last top 40 hit from Entrance, the British electronic group, consisting of Kevin O'Toole and Dale Longworth. In 1995, Entrance had a number two hit with the song Set You Free. Wanna stay in your arms iconic bit of euphoric house there and honestly destiny may as well be a tribute act to that song if set you free is entrance this is m trance just a tribute act with a name just slightly different enough to not get sued does it have vaguely mystical lyrics check does it have big belts check does it have breathy fill-ins though check does it do any of these things as well as set you free does no check honestly Kelly Lorena's belt of Honey Love. Obviously, she did it much better, but one of the best belts ever rec- recorded, to be honest. But let's quickly 
before we move on from Destiny, talk about one of these vaguely mystical lyrics. Now, bear in mind, Entrance are a British electronic group, and yet this song features the line, The lion's at my heart will last forever, which sounds like it went through Google Translate too many times. Like that Madonna interview that was translated into Romanian and then back into English. Garbled. He was the only one I was dating in my bed then. So it is a scientific fact that the baby was made in my womb using him. (laughs) But as regards those questions, enough. I am a woman, not a test mouse. But let's for now leave the lions at our hearts and head on to a different animal. This is another new entry at number 36, Magic Fly by Minimalistics. Future Sam here. No, really, that's what that song is like for seven minutes. Talking of weird Google Translate sentences, here is the first line of Minimalistics's Wikipedia page. Minimalistics was a progressive trance music project from Belgium consisting of members Dave Lambrex, Janus Dudecker, is that a Belgian accent? I'm not sure. It's kind of more French, isn't it? Joan Casters, Peter Ballard, and Steve Sidewinder, otherwise known as Andy van de Gondonk. Close brackets, Poison Ivy. Open brackets, Els Mortelman's close brackets. Voice and performance on stage and existing from 2000 to 2010. To be fair, they have an excuse for strange Google Translate because they're from Belgium. But very fascinating world, these kind of one or two hit wonder artists. Somebody out there thinks they need to have a Wikipedia page just to be preserved for prosperity. But not enough people care to ensure that that wikipedia page makes any sense or is any way properly edited unless a particularly pedantic the 2000 chart show listener wants to change that that will live in bad grammar forever a little bit more to know about minimalistics that's with an x obviously because they are cool they had a number 12 hit with their song close cover And the name of the song Magic Fly is taken from a album from a French disco band called Space, whose members' identities were shielded by cosmonaut helmets. They nearly got to number one in 1977, but then Elvis died. Always getting in the way of things, Elvis with his dying and that. But that is about the most interesting thing about Magic Fly by Minimalistics, because it is pretty anonymous techno. So let's uh, Magic Fly onto the next position in the chart. From 35 to 30, we have at 35, S Club with Say Goodbye and Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You. That's in its seventh week. Thirty-four, a seventeen-place drop for Lisa Marie Presley with "Lights Out." Oh, yeah. 
interesting that we were just talking about Elvis's death because that is also what Lights Out is about. 33, Metallica with Saint Anger or Stanger, if you're feeling that way inclined. Shania Twain's Forever and For Always Justin Timberlake at 31 with Rock Your Body DJ Sammy with Your Body, by the way, it's worth noting in its ninth week on the chart there. So we're into the top 30 and let's look at some of these songs to come. For the fans of slightly flop pop among you, you'll be pleased to know that this is the week where Javine released her debut single, Real Things. Javine is a slag. How could you say such a thing? No, she really is a slag, though. She, of course, was the last member of the pop stars, the rival cast, not to get into Girls Aloud. She was beaten into the band by Sarah Harding in a very controversial decision, it turns out, as we'll discuss a little bit later. Of course, Girls Aloud had got to number one, with their first song, Sound of the Underground, and Javine will be trying to match the band she could have been a part of with her song, Real Things, which is a very good song, even if it is basically exactly the same song as Love Don't Cost a Thing by Jennifer Lopez, but giving us a hip-hop flavour that Girls Aloud aren't quite able to give us there. Will it be enough to match Kimberly, Cheryl, Nadine, Sarah and Nicola? It's going to be a tricky one for Javine because also looking for a number one single is Madonna. It feels uh, reductive. 
with her song Hollywood, her third single from her album American Life. The previous two singles were Die Another Day, a number three hit in November 2002, and American Life itself, which got to number two in April 2003. If Madonna gets to number one this week, it will be her 10th number one following. Okay, let's see if I can get all these without looking. Into the Groove, Who's That Girl? Laisla Bonita, Like a Prayer, Vogue, Frozen, Music, American Pie. Oh, there's one more. Papa Don't Preach. She will be trying to match those songs with her latest single, Hollywood, which is, of course, is her ode to everyone's favourite bread-making Great British Bake Off host, I assume. Great penetration. So will Madonna be able to Hollywood handshake her way to the top spot? Well, to do that, she will have to see off P! Exclamation mark, unk! With her song featuring William Orbit, Feel Good Time. This song, of course, was the from the soundtrack to Charlie's Angels' Full Throttle, the second Charlie's Angels film. I remember the trailer for Full Throttle was literally everywhere in 2003, and this song is all over it. So certainly there's been a lot of chances for people to hear this song and want to buy it. It may be enough to get Pete exclamation mark unk. Her third number one, previously she had got to number one with Lady Marmalade, her duet with Christina Aguilera, Lil' Kim and Maya. I don't think you can have a duet with four, three people, but I can't think what the word is. Quartet with Christina Aguilera, Lil' Kim and Maya. And Just Like a Pill, her number one in September 2002. Feel Good Time, also her first single from her third album, Try This! Exclamation mark. So she will certainly be <laughs> trying to get that number one spot. But there are also... As I said, a busy week and there are two more big champions for that top spot. And they are, firstly, Kim Marsh. Is it alright if I just belt out a couple of songs on my own? With her second solo single, Come On Over, her first song, Cry. We've previously criticised it for having the laziest rhyme scheme of any song released in 2003, but certainly it was a big hit, getting to number two earlier in the year. And so she will be trying to match or beat that with her second single. And her previous band, Hearsay, had had two number ones with Pure and Simple and the way to your love so she'll be surely trying to get a number one all of her own but when you're up against Madonna, Pink and Javine it's going to be tough for Kim Marsh and especially because she also has to contend with Eminem at the absolute peak of his powers in 2003 and he is trying to get a number one single with his song Business because it was only released as a single outside of America there is no music video which may stop it getting all the way because of course Eminem's music videos at this time were absolutely huge so without that little bit of advertisement it may stop him getting to number one but certainly if business managed to get to number one it will be joining the real slim shady and a number one in july 2000 stan a number one in december 2000 without me in june 2002 and lose yourself his oscar winning song from eight mile which was a number one in december 2002 will eminem be able to get his fifth number one we shall soon see whether any of those people can beat the juggernaut that is beyonce knowles with crazy in love but definitely one person who has not managed to beat any of those despite maybe being in the same caliber of a-list stars in 2003 this is in its fifth week at 29 christina Aguilera with Fighter.
talking about someone who loves a good fight, particularly over social media, at 28, now in its 18th week in the chart, 50 Cent in the club. You would think there was no more to say about this song at this point, but I was, I had a look anyway, so I searched in the club on YouTube and lo and behold, in the, the recommended searches, there was Beyonce in the club. That's interesting. Is this one of these AI covers that all the kids seem to like so much? I guess I'll hear that. Don't know how you'd get Beyonce's vocals to fit around 50 Cent's rapping style, so I will give it a listen. And would you believe it? It's an original cover from 2003, Beyonce did, of Inda Club. Well, I say an original cover. It is her version of it called Sexy Lil Thug using the 50 Cent beat and some of the lyrics, but adding a few other lyrics and honestly doing a song that is maybe as good as the original so definitely need to hear a little bit of that So this song got released to radio in America in March 2003 and quickly became a big hit on a lot of radio stations. The rumour about this song is it became such a big hit on radio that it began to outsell 50 Cent's version and this was forced radio stations to stop playing it and the label who owned 50 Cent, Indoscope, sent a cease and desist letter to Beyonce. Also, it has been claimed that it was 50 Cent himself that asked the radio station not to play Beyonce's version. Honestly, I have to say that I can have not been able to verify this for myself. And the citation to it on Wikipedia is to a random Beyonce stand page. So not quite the legitimate source that you would hope for these things. But certainly it seems like exactly the petty kind of shit that 50 Cent is known for. But for legal reasons, there's no evidence that he did do it. Good. Is that covered? Talking about 50 Cent and legal battle. In 2006, he was actually sued for this song by the manager of the Two Live crew, Joseph Weinberger, and he argued that the line, It's Your Birthday, from 50 Cent's Interclub, was plagiarised from a song from a member of the Two Live crew called Luther Campbell called Freak for Life. However, the lawsuit was eventually dismissed by a judge who ruled that the phrase was a, quote, common, unoriginal and non-copyrightable element of the song, which is exactly right. Very... (laughs) opportunistic of Joseph Weinberger there to be like, no, actually, we invented the phrase, it's your birthday. It's very like if Adele started sending cease and desist letters to everyone who said hello to someone. Very ridiculous. But interesting to know that these kind of ridiculous lawsuits, like the when 3LW tried to sue Taylor Swift for the phrase players gone play have existed at least since the early 2000s so some things change and some things stay the same maybe that'll be our new uh, motto on this podcast but one thing that's definitely changed this week is who is at number 27 and this week it is a new entry for Longview with their song further and I must warn you before I play this that I looked up who Longview are and their Wikipedia says that they are a British indie rock band active from 2002 anyone who's been listening to this podcast will know that that is a big warning sign British indie at this point is in a dark place where everything is middle of the road and really undistinctive so I have poor hopes for further by Longview we may, we probably don't even need to listen to it to know what it sounds like and yet that's the format of the show so I guess I guess we better play it here it is at number 27 
did we really need to play that? That is exactly what we all thought it would sound like. There's not much about this band online, but there is a BBC review from BBC Bristol at the time of them playing a gig at the Bristol University Student Union. It describes them as the next big thing to come out of Manchester. It then, however, goes on to say that they are in Bristol to play a free gig at the Bristol University Student Union. I would say it's surely a contradiction. This piece came out in December 2004, 18 months after this band's first UK Top 40 hit, which is this one, and they're playing a free gig at a student union, and they're the next big thing. Mm. I think you're taking a bit of a dramatic licence there, whoever wrote this piece about Longview. And in fact, generally, I've got a feeling this may have been a student kind of filing their first gig review and that's no shade because I too was once a student desperately trying to get published by sending gig reviews to people so I have a lot of empathy but this journalist does accidentally damn Longview with quite a lot of faint praise there's another line later on that says some people even arrived 30 minutes before the set in order to get seats wow 30 whole minutes they arrived before incredible I arrived 30 minutes before going to the cinema like pretty much every time if I want to see a band you get like an hour and a half before 30 minutes is like oh shit shit well we want to get a drink before we uh before they start and uh you know want to get comfortable with it so i guess we'll go 30 minutes before i don't want to be there too long i don't want to listen to the support but the band also not really great at selling themselves one of their members is called doug and he says in this interview there's a general theme of everyday life on the first album so here's what we learned about Longview from this piece they can't get anyone to pay to go to their gigs even their biggest fans only turn up half an hour before they start and all their songs are about nothing so they sound great it's amazing that they haven't become one of the great indie bands of the 2000s. I am being a little unfair, I guess, because this song is maybe slightly better than some of the other indie sludge that we've listened to over the past few weeks, by which I mean specifically it's better than cheering breaks, but still we can maybe see why Longview didn't have what it takes to go all the way. So let's move on from indie for now and head into the dance music realm at 26, down from 14 last week. This is Paul Van Dyke and Hemstock's Nothing But You. originally they were actually going to name after a lyric in the song they were going to call it but of course they weren't sure how to spell it so they went for nothing but you after that here are two songs with some actual words can you imagine two songs that both win their fourth week on the chart at 25 jennifer ellison with baby i don't care and at 24 ashanti rock with you brackets or baby Could not for a few weeks 
find a way of saying all oh, baby that wasn't creepy i have tried some various versions but what i hadn't thought about until now is you could you can kind of there's a sarcastic way of doing it isn't it it's like oh baby it's like when someone tells you about their first world problems that's a perfect response but enough for volunteer now because we it is time to head into angst corner angst corner that's right, we are in our bedrooms listening to our music on those weird 2000s era headphones that kind of clipped onto your ears, listening to some 41 and being angry at our parents. So let's get into that mood. God, I hate you so much. Ugh. Good, I feel ready now. 23, in its fifth week, Amy Stutt with Misfit and at 22, a new entry from a, a woman I like to call the Canadian Amy Stutt. wonder if that will catch on. Avril Lavigne with Losing Grip. Waste your own time, I don't care. Losing Grip, Avril Lavigne's fourth single from her very successful album Let Go, was preceded by Complicated, Skater Boy and I'm With You. Avril Lavigne, weirdly, kind of is the Lana Del Rey of her time. A lot of people, when she was starting out, the biggest question they had was, how real is Avril Lavigne? Is this kind of punky thing a pose? As Lana Del Rey's career's gone on, that question has kind of become irrelevant and we're dealing with levels of irony so deep that it's kind of impenetrable. But certainly, it does seem, the more I read about it, that Avril Lavigne was pretty genuine when she started out. Genuine, that is, kind of in her more rocker chick credentials. We can kind of make fun now of her constantly wearing a tie and vest. And obviously, I will be her forever humiliated by the time where some older kids asked me what music I liked and I said I really like punk music like Avril Lavigne and Busted. I was 29. Haha. <laughs> but certainly Avril Lavigne there was a rockier side to her that she really wanted to show and we see this in Losing Grip, her kind of grungiest song from Let Go. Her record labour Arista, incidentally co-founded by Clive Davis, the guy who wrote All Out of Love, a song we discussed last week. They wanted Arista Records, anything but ordinary to be the fourth single from Let Go. Is it- Avril, who is 18 at this time, put her foot down and successfully got her label to release Losing Grip instead. MTV was on the set of the Losing Grip video and she, Avril, told MTV that this was her favourite song on the album. The name of this song is called Losing Grip. It's my favourite song off the album, the one I feel that represents me the most. And in this, she gives us a little interesting insight into what it was like to be Avril Lavigne in 2003 because she mentions that this was the song that she got to work on with producers that she wanted. Musically, I like it because I had more freedom with the producer that I was working with and he just like listened to me. Which does imply that she otherwise had to work with kind of popular producers that she didn't necessarily want. And this isn't the only thing 
that seems to have been something that kind of stymied her rock side. Later on in this interview, she highlights the problems of being a rock girl on a big label. We're not really allowed, like, during our shows to jump into the crowd because there's, like, all these, like, liabilities and stuff. Like, you can get, like, sued if, like, my mic hits someone in the head and, like, pokes their eyeball out or breaks their nose or something. Because nothing says rock more than health and safety legislation and liability. Yeah! That was my rocker voice in case you're keeping track of the many and varied accents and characters in this show. So this song was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance in 2004. The same award that Michelle Branch's Are You Happy Now, which we talked about last week, was also nominated for. They, of course, both lost to Trouble by P! Unk. And Avril has also lost to P! Unk in the release war this week because her song Feel Good Time is further up the UK Top 40. Although, where in the UK Top 40 is, you'll have to keep listening to find out. Anticipation. P! Unk, though, is actually a very interesting comparison for Avril at this time because Avril, at this point, her previous singles had gone to number three, number eight, and number seven, while Losing Grip is at number 22. And so there is a world in which, had Losing Grip done better, Avril would have had the confidence of the label to do rockier songs in the future and then not head in the girlfriend poppy direction and similarly if songs like last to know had done better p exclamation mark unk would probably be doing still be doing some rock songs and not the treacly ballads that your mum likes that she does now while being flung up across rooms on wires they both in a way to tie this all up seem to be kind of victims of their own success in that the songs that they liked at the beginning that you could tell kind of meant more to them did not do as well and so they had to increasingly push in a different direction it's also the same story as I'm Glad, number this week's number 40, which was another song where the artist pushed for it to be the single and then it flopped in comparison to their other songs. Whether them flopping was the result of record labels doing less promotion than they could have to kind of make these songs do less well so they could justify their own positions, or whether artists are just not good judges of their own work is up for you to decide, but very fascinating that Losing Grip is at number 22 there. Certainly more fascinating than our next new entry at number 21, which is Simply Red with Fake. As you drift away Here's what I say It's your face It's your face now the 25th UK Top 40 for Simply Red. They've had one number one, which was in 1995 with their song Fairground. This is a audio medium. We'll be explaining why there's no video. I know you were wondering about that, but it means that I all I can do is tell you to watch the music video for Fake by Simply Red, and I can just tell you what happens in it. So it's Mick Hucknall in a nightclub, which apparently was in Watford, but he's walking around this nightclub and he's, everyone in there is a celebrity look-alike. So apparently there are doubles in this video for Eminem, Ozzy Osbourne, Naomi Campbell, Kylie Minogue, Diana Ross, Robert De Niro, Madonna, Britney, Pamela Anderson, Cameron Diaz, Pierce Brosnan, Sean Connery, Halle Berry, Michael Jackson, Joan Collins, Cher, David Beckham and Victoria Beckham. I give you the whole list because you watch this video and you try and identify anyone who actually looks like these people in it. It's the only music video that is actually better on YouTube in standard definition because 
none of these people look like the people they're supposed to in 480p so god knows what this would look like in hd but it does suggest that mick huckman was a huge s club fan because being in a room full of bad celebrity lookalikes was of course also the third act of the s club 7 movie and masterpiece sing double which came out three months prior to this music video coming out if you can't remember or if you haven't seen it which is honestly rude It's not every day you get a Tina Barrett starring vehicle, you know. But the S-Club 7 film is about an evil scientist who is replacing S-Club and other celebrities with clones. I think they're clones. It's not science fiction anymore. Leading to a big finale in a castle where they're surrounded by various people who vaguely look like celebrities. So this song has got to number 21 in the UK charts, but it was a number one in the US Billboard Hot Dance Club Play chart. And that was mostly down to its Love to Infinity classic radio mix. Love to Infinity have been, of course, responsible for some of the gayest remixes that have ever existed. So that does beg the question, what does the Love to Infinity remix of this sound like and will it make me want to do poppers? Let's find out. No, the VHS cleaner remains distinctly unsniffed, shall we say, for that one. In fact, at number 20, a much better song to do poppers to, maybe, if you're so inclined. Number 20, another new entry for Kraftwerk with Tour de France 'Cause you couldn't tell there from more great accent work. Kraftwerk are, of course, iconic German electronic music pioneers. And like many pioneers before them, the British public at large didn't have quite enough taste to make them chart hits. They have had one number one single, which was in 1981 with The Model. But actually, Tour de France 2003 at number 20 here is their third highest charting hit behind their number 11 hit Autobahn and their number 20 hit The Robots. So this is a remake. Oh no, that's French. Oh God. Where's my heart? Oh, this is a remake of their 1983 single. No, that didn't work. Uh, Yeah, so Tour de France is a remake of the 1983 Kraftwerk song of the same name. Ironically, and I have to say right now, remaking a 1983 song in 2003 just makes me sick. I just hate people who are obsessed with stuff from 20 years ago. Just let it go, losers. Live in the modern time. Do you get it? Because that's what that's what I do. I'm the I'm the lame. Yeah. Okay. Good. They love cycling to Kraftwerk, and that's why they've released this song Tour de France. In their heyday, they used to like to cycle up to 200 kilometers a day. They would often ask to be let out of the tour bus early so they could cycle to their gig. But of course, that did lead to the great irony that Tour de France, the first time in 1983, was the last song that Kraftwerk co-founder Florian Schneider released before having a massive cycling accident that fractured his skull and put him into a coma. Isn't it ironic? 
though he says it did not put him off cycling. In an interview in the 2000s, he said of cycling, It is like music. It is always forward. It is free. It is outside. It is the weather. It is the planet. It is energy. Cycling has parallels with certain aspects of music. He's German. In case that was unclear. By the way, if the song Tour de France 2003 has made you wonder about the 2003 Tour de France, it was won by the now-disgraced Lance Armstrong, whose title was stripped after he confessed to doping. I know, obviously, the fact that he took drugs to cheat his way to seven Tour de France wins is a bad thing, but it is rude that if you go on the Wikipedia for the 2003 Tour de France now, under winner, it has Lance Armstrong's name, and it just crosses it out, and in big, bold letters says, none. It's rude to Lance Armstrong, who I guess deserves it a bit but it's also rude to the runner-up of the 2003 Tour de France Jan Ulrich can you just make him the number one rather than none it's like mm, we could give it to you but we'd rather give it to no one that's how much we respect you or maybe that's just not how cycling works I don't know I spend most of my time in this booth recording in my bed editing or in various cafes looking up random shit from 2003 so do you think I have time to pedal about no but I do have time to play you number 19 Blazing Squad we just be dreaming in its third week, down from number 12. Blazing Squad's chart position here for We Just Be Dreaming mean it's another instalment of the nation's literal favourite podcast segment. It's Facts About Blazing Squad. Insert jingle here. I love the way you work it. Tell you facts about Blazing Squad. These are from Smash Hits. They're fascinating feature 27 facts about blazing squad so far in the last two episodes we have gone through facts 1 to 10 and so here are 11 to 15 are you ready to have your mind blown by the pure heat of these factoids number 11 spiky loves baked beans this squatter loves baked beans so much fans give him cans at signings he's also the band's biggest farter see the link yet by the way that's what smash hit said i i try to avoid fart humor as a rule 12 rocky b is scared of boogeyman rocky b keeps a baseball bat in his bedroom and it's not to knock out any marauding sheep uh, number 10 was that rocky b is terrified of sheep it's because i used to be scared of the boogeyman he says bless 13 the crossroads video was almost very different you probably won't believe this but there was a scene in the original crossroads video where we were mucking about and pushing mellow d over cackles flavor <coughs> that was him cackling we were wearing boiler suits and these m&m masks we didn't have any chainsaws though shame hmm i don't know whether that would have fitted into the britney spears movie it's because she released a movie called Crossroads Good. Anyway, 14. There's a Stop Bullying Melody campaign. Fed up with the other squadders making up lies about his one true voice posters and ballet lessons, a group of fans have started their own anti-melody bullying campaign. And number 15, they eat nasty food. I don't like nasty food. Spikey says, the nicest food you'll ever eat is pie and mash with liquor. Liquor is lovely. It's made with parsley, milk and eel juice. We also eat jelly deals, cockles, whelks and cod's heads. Uh, yum. Liquor, barely even know her. That is the end for another week of the scintillating segment, Facts About Blazing Squad. 
Okay, I must warn you, this next link is going to be me at my most BBC Radio 2, so... <laughs> that was Blazing Squad with We Just Be Dreaming, and next we have other cheeky chappies for the Thames Estuary. And number 18, a new entry for Blur. This is Crazy Beat. Brothers on Saturday night, yeah. Crazy beat there by Blur. Couldn't quite keep up that energy. I don't know how people do that for three hours. A fun fact about this song is co-produced by Fatboy Slim, who joined the band in Morocco after they were kind of flailing following Graham Coxon's departure from the band following a mental breakdown. You can find that whole story in whichever episode we talked about Blur's song, Out of Time. It was quite an early one. I think it's episode three or something. The band described this song as just a bit of fun we had with Norman. Norman being Norman Cook, Fatboy Slim. And one of the few moments where we just let our hair down and got dumb. And certainly, dumb is a word I'd use to describe Crazy Beat, especially because it's really Blur ripping themselves off. It's basically exactly the same song, but worse, uh, as Song 2. It's very much Song 2-2, if you get what I mean there. Not bad, but certainly not as good as Song 2. Unless we forget, is called Song 2 is number two on the album and got to number two in 2098, but still a lot of fun there. Apparently, the intro for this song involved a little bit of canny musicianship. Fatboy Slim said of the song, we found this old farm vehicle that made a really good noise when you hit it with a lump of metal. That's the intro to Crazy Beat. Is the song the oral equivalent of being hit on the head with a piece of metal? Maybe. So I do know how that piece of farm machinery feels. Later, Blur would express regret for putting this song on the album, which makes sense. You imagine they put it on the album because they were like, oh, this is obviously the closest thing that we would have to a single on what is quite a weird album, Think Tank. But then it was not a hit. So what a waste of time. And in fact, it was actually Blur's worst chart placement in 10 years so it really did not pay off for Damon and the guys there but what is definitely paying off is the duet between Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey this in its 11th week at number 17 I Know What You Want a few years shed a few tears called each other nickname like sugar plum and poo beer I'm always on the road hardly ever home always busy this busy that can't talk on the phone I know you aggravated walk around frustrated patience getting short how longer can you tolerate it Listen, mom, just motivated. I do this for us, stuck on the grind, trying to elevate it. Hey, now. yo, to really be honest, you stuck with me through my whole struggle. Can't even express the words how much the kid loves you. I'ma stand as a man, never a boy. I know what you want, of course, is a big shagging song. And following it, in the next three positions are three very different versions of a breakup song. At number 16, Delta Goodrum's ballad Lost Without You. At number 15, down from four last week, Fall No More by the S Club Juniors. And at number 14, down from eight mystiques can't get it back
Every good breakup, you just end up going right back to the shagging when you realise how much you miss that person. And so to match that experience that we've all gone through, at number 13, another good song about the making the beast with two backs. A new entry, this is Joe Budden with Pump It Up. But I'm only dealing with freaks that want to gut mine. If you agree, I want nut in. So they get it played late night on beat the uncut. So I tried to look up a little bit about Joe Budden, but my phone did keep auto-correcting me. So I have to say, Joe Budden is either an American media personality and former rapper, or he's the 46th and current president of the United States. And this song, Pump It Up, is either his greatest achievement, or his greatest achievement is the complete removal of truce from Afghanistan. Unclear. I'm going to guess, though, it's probably the former. But it's good that it's the former guy, because this Joe Budden has quite the fascinating life story. He could make a film out of this. So he has been described as a troubled youth who was sent to a a boarding school for troubled youths. Very American TV, that, being threatened to be sent to a, like, military school or boarding school for teens. You're gonna go learn to be a man! I will not send him to that place! Of course, anyone my age will remember when Brie Vanderkamp tried to straighten out her gay child by sending him to military school. Little did she know that spending all day with sexually frustrated men in uniform may have actually been the making of him in more ways than one. So whilst at boarding school, Joe Budden began to hone his skills as a rapper. But unfortunately, when he returned to his native Jersey, he began, not Jersey, the British Channel Island, I assume, with the cows, but New Jersey. He began using drugs and developed an addiction to angel dust, or PCP. So in 1997, when he was 17, he voluntarily went into rehab in exchange for him being allowed to attend his senior prom. But that may not have worked because in the end, Budden did not graduate and he ended up having a child with an older woman at the age of 20. God, see my own life reflected back at me, isn't it? No, I really can't really relate to his fascinating and difficult life. But I can emphasise with some of the lyrics to pump it up. He says, She wanna work that, twerk that. Then again, let me hurt that, murk that, till you got a hurt back. And speaking as someone who's got a hurt back, I too have been doing too much working, twerking, hurting and murking. So we are closer than we thought. But one thing that I find completely disgusting about Joe Budden is that he's become a podcast host. Honestly, scum of the earth. Who would want to do that? Who would want to waste their time? That's the thing. That's the thing that podcasters do, isn't it? They're self-deprecating about podcasting. I'm just trying to Trying to work out the rules of the medium, you know what I mean? One thing to add about Pump It Up by Joe Budden is it's the from the soundtrack to Too Fast, Too Furious, the best-named sequel of all time, which came out at the end of May 2003, so slowly building up fans for that song. But not enough to get it any higher than 13, and not enough to get it past 50 Cent, who's at number 12. We previously talked about him at number 28 with Inter Club, but this is his... Next song, in its second week in the top 10, 21 questions. Girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down? 
and how would you still have love for me, girl? It's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down? And how would you still have love for me? Now, would you girl? leave me if your father found out I was thugging? Do you believe me when I tell you you the one I'm loving? Are you mad because I'm asking you 21 questions? Are you my soulmate? Number 11, this is in its seventh week, down from nine. XTM and DJ Chucky featuring Anya fly on the wings of love. I assume. DJ Chucky's on one wing and Anya's on the other for aerodynamic balance, but they have never specified. This takes us into our top 10, so still to come. New entries from Eminem, Javine, Kim Marsh, Madonna, and P! Unk, and also returning from previous charts, Wayne Wonder, Fast Food Rockers, Evanescence, R. Kelly, and of course, last week's number one, Beyonce's Crazy in Love. Do any of those new entries have what it takes to knock Crazy in Love off the top spot? Well, certainly the person who had the least chance of doing that, perhaps, is at number 10. New entry for Kim Marsh. This is Come On Over. song has ever given Melanie C solo cast off more than that song has it oh no sorry that's actually that's actually very unfair because it also gives Appleton cast off and not just that they both rejected it it's that it went to one and they rejected it and then it went to the other and they were like no not even we Appleton want it and so Kim Marsh got it I don't know why that was so shady to Appleton I think their song fantasy is one of the best debut singles of all time but the top of the pots performance of Kim Marsh is fascinating again I'll try and get this on the YouTube Connie Huck I love you but you give a very bad introduction to this song it certainly makes me feel better about some of the rambling introductions that I've done on this podcast playing those crazy beats that was blur now the karaoke TV shows were only a glimmer in Simon Cowell's eye when they had their first hit but this next young lady is no stranger to finding fame and fortune through the public vote she's made up with her former hearsay buddies and her pop career is not doing too bad either in at number 10 this is Kim Marsh Mind you, Connie Huck's intro is not worse than Kim's outfit, which as someone who has been fighting a moth infestation in their wardrobe for the last year, I know exactly how you feel, Kim. You're about to do Top of the Pops, and the only outfit you have clean is shredded, but you just think, I'll wear it anyway, it's 2003 and no one will notice. They didn't, but I do now. For a song that made the top 10, there is weirdly very little information about this song online. It's one of those top 10 hits which have absolutely kind of no cultural impact. You know, you've never heard even the most deranged gays standing Kim Marsh, you know. Even I, I have previously stand Chantel from Big Brother's fake song, I Want It Now. But even I can't go as far as standing Kim Marsh, unfortunately. But if there are, by the way, any deranged pop gays who do stand Kim Marsh, first get in touch with us at the 2000 
2000schartshow at gmail.com. Love to know what it is about her you like. But also, you can now see her in the UK tour of Greatest Days, the Take That musical. The day this episode comes out, she is performing at the Wolverhampton Grand. And most excitingly of all for me, she's playing the Bristol Hippodrome in September, which means that I can force my mum to see the Greatest Days musical and report back about how it is. Of course, I'd like to go and report back myself doing my journalistic due diligence. But like any self-respecting music fan, even the barest hint of Gary Barlow gives me the hives so I can't go to that. But before she was taking the big Barlow dollars, Kim Marsh had a very interesting story, slightly older than the other Hearsay members, and when she auditioned for the show, she had a five-year-old child. And she always seems, to her credit, very much kept it real and is very realistic about showbiz. She said in a recent interview that when she got dropped from her record label after her next single, After Come On Over, does, does not make the top 20, she just thought about going back to hair and beauty school but then she got a role in the a 2004 production of saturday night fever the musical and that led her on a acting path that of course led to her having an iconic role on coronation street i weirdly think i saw the 2004 saturday night fever musical talking about the bristol hippodrome at a friend's birthday party so i may have seen kim marsh live there which is a very exciting prospect for a 10 year old me but none of this has been enough to get kim marsh any further up the top 10 it has not even been enough to get past a song that's in its 10th week on the chart, a former UK number one at number nine, the Ignition remix by R. Kelly. And at number eight, a song that is as egregious as R. Kelly, but in a different way, Fast Food Song by Fast Food Rockers. to come and meet us and be a VIP guest at our HMV gig in London. Just fill out the token on your Happy Meal box to enter. That is in its fourth week and down from three, so we've had a whole month of fast food rockers, luckily us. Very much like that Super Size Me documentary where the guy eats McDonald's for a month and basically it nearly kills him. That's how I feel, listening to that song. Even in the 30-second fragments that I've had to hear it over the last four weeks. I have not had that problem, however, with another song that's been on the chart for four weeks. Last week's number five, now at number seven, Wayne Wonders, No Letting Go. There is no letting go from that song to the chart. Yeah, the preposition's right there. I don't know. Anyway, that song is good. And long may it rest on the UK top 40. It's had a month in the top 10 so far. So let's see how well it can continue to hang on. But we now have four new songs in the top six, which is very exciting. Javine, Madonna, Eminem and P! Exclamation mark Unk and Evanescence and Beyonce all still to come. And of those, at number six is a new entry for Eminem with Business. Looks like Batman brought his own robin. Oh God, the Don's got his own line. With his own private plane, his own pilot. Set the blow polish, don't move doors off the hinges. Oranges, peach, pears, plums, oranges. Get 
not saying that the writer of the business Wikipedia page ran out of material very early, but the first line of the Wikipedia is business. It's a hip hop song of four minutes and 11 seconds in length. You know, I've had to really clutch at straws to find interesting things about some of these songs, but I've never just had to rely on how long it was. As an interesting fact so far. For example, I could tell you that Business is the third single released in the UK for the album The Eminem Show. The first was Without Me, a number one. Cleaning Out My Closet, number four. And Sing For The Moment, another number six for Eminem. Of course, in between those, he also released the number one hit, Lose Yourself, from his film 8 Mile. I'm not quite sure how I feel about the relationship of Britain and Eminem. I don't know whether I'm kind of proud of this next fact or slightly ashamed. So around the world, the Eminem show was the biggest selling album of 2002 when it was released. But in the UK, it was seventh behind Robbie Williams' Escapology, Misunderstood, P. Exclamation mark, Unk, Enrique Iglesias' Escape, Coldplay's A Rush of Blood to the Head, Blue's One Love, and Red Hot Chili Peppers' By the Way. Not sure what that says about us, certainly something. Very interesting time in Eminem's career. At the start of 2003, when he was still promoting the album, he did an interview with the Daily Mirror, which is all about his new maturity and how badly he wants to be a role model to kids, which was not a sentiment that lasted very long for Eminem because his next two singles are Just Lose It, his famous song about Michael Jackson. (laughs) and his alleged crimes and ass like that his song about celebrities asses which features the forever disgusting line hillary duff is not quite old enough so i've never seen a butt like that maybe next year i'll say ass and she'll make my slinky go doing 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 never forget so i think basically if you're eminem you can't keep up being mature for long because you just kind of realize how inherently absurd your position in the pop music landscape is and this is definitely true of his top of the pots performance this week it's definitely one of those where it was clearly performed just in america and they've just sent them over some top of the pops posters to put up to make it look like it's in the studio and exactly where he filmed this though is remains a question because there's a bit where he does call and response but you can tell that there's absolutely no one there at all so i think it was probably filmed in the same place where b2k did girlfriend a few weeks ago where that also had them interacting with an audience that you could just tell were not there but that's that's the game that's the job when you're a 2000s era pop star that's the job And so that takes us into our top five and act five in its ninth week in the chart. Another former UK number one for Evanescence with Bring Me to Life. perfectly onto a song that certainly brings me to life and probably a lot of you out there as well at number four a new entry for Javine who has not managed to match the chart success of the band that she nearly was a part of Girls Aloud but still has created real things a song that remains iconic they can show you what you love that'll never let you down to tell you that they love Be the 
former Pop Stars The Rivals contestant, totally willing in her Top of the Pops introduction to throw shade at one true voice, which we appreciate. There's more talent you find within the runners-up and the losers, that they say, than the people who actually win. So I think it's beautiful that she's having the chance to do her thing. If you look at one true voice, it hasn't done them a great deal of good. So in the final week of Popstars Arrival, she lost out in A Place of Girls Aloud to Sarah Harding. This was despite the fact that she was safe every week of the show, never in the bottom. Compared to, say, uh, Kimberly Walsh, who was literally in the bottom every single week. She was the Roxy Andrews of Popstars Arrivals, if you will. But arguably, being the favourite all along is why she lost. You often get this with when you're voting to save that you people assume that certain people will be saved and so don't put their votes on people they think have less of a chance of being saved and so the person that everyone assumed would be safe ends up being in danger. Certainly though, this was not enough of an explanation for people at the time. There was a number of news stories about how Popstars Arrivals was obviously a fix if Javine hadn't got into Girls Aloud. It was quite the scandal actually. So this is a contemporary news article. TV executives have dismissed claims that a telephone voting blunder on ITV1's Popstars Arrivals could have caused a finalist unfair exit following an inquiry. Viewers have complained they were unable to register their vote for losing contestant Javine Hilton. Javine 20 failed to make the lineup of the all-female group after receiving the least number of viewers' votes on Saturday night's show. But the company handling the poll, Red Fig, said there was no fault with the system. And then this quote from Louis Walsh is pretty savage to a band that he, let's not forget, manages. Judge Louis Walsh, who will manage the Girl Band Girls Aloud, insisted Saturday night's result was not fixed. He told GMTV, definitely nothing rigged as far as I know. I think kids are watching so many of these shows now that they don't vote for the person they like most. They vote for the person that they think, oh, I feel sorry for her. This, of course, from the Louis Walsh, who it has been alleged, showed Boyzone a car boot full of CDs that he'd bought to give them a good chart placing. And then he iconically said to them, there you go boys there's your fans so love shady louie apparently there were 20 calls to a capital fm show about this very matter where people claimed they were not able to vote for javine and when they tried to ring her number they instead were forwarded to the sarah harding vote but the voting company have said there was nothing untoward happening and it worked out well for both I would guess because it gave us real things it gave us Javine's Eurovision entry Touch My Fire and of course it gave us Girls Aloud the best band of the 2000s although already uh, when Javine didn't make it into the band there were some that were already were writing them off this is from the same news article from earlier Odds on Girls Aloud, this for the Christmas number one, dropped from four to one to five to one after Saturday night's result. And a spokesman for Ladbrooks said they were on the drift. Ladbrooks has not seen one bet on the band since the decision to admit Javine. Girls Aloud seem more like girls alone in the betting market at present, he said. I bet the PR person who wrote that patted themselves on the back and seeing as it was the 2000s, had a liquid lunch and then did an ounce of cocaine. Yeah, it's, it turns out from this story that One True Voice were the absolute bookie's favourite to get the Christmas number one. So I hope that implicit misogyny cost the bookies a lot of money when they had to do all those five to one payouts smash hits gave javine a first person piece in which she talks about life post pop stars the rivals she said people have asked me if i thought the result was rigged but i just think no one voted for me keeping it real she alleged is that the band asked the producer of the show if they could just become a six piece and they were turned down and she actually talks about the one of the biggest controversies of 2003 when Cheryl was accused of assaulting a toilet attendant at a nightclub she says we're still good mates especially me and Cheryl we used to get on so well in the house joking about and making up dance routines and I was there for her when she was going through a bad time with her court case I was really shocked when I heard about it but I tried to help because she's a very good friend but she did in this feature want to set one thing absolutely straight she said the boys were 
from One True Voice are really cool as well and I still speak to Jamie a lot. He's a bundle of fun, really hilarious. But I would like to put something straight. I have never snogged or dated Anton from the band, so don't believe the hype. To be honest, I was a bit asterisk, 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 asterisk off when I heard the rumours, especially as I'd got a long-term boyfriend. He's a student, a hip-hop freak like me. Anton actually had the nerve to go live on a radio station and announce, I'm going out with Javine. I went mad. I wanted to call him up and scream down the phone. In the end, though, I was cool and diplomatic about it. Well, and this is the killer blow, he's just a young boy, isn't he? Jamie Shaw there found dead in a ditch. So high drama among the Pop Stars The Rivals contestants. And one last fascinating fact about Javine that I learned by looking her up this week. She's a relationship ruiner. Javine is a slag. Well, no, what I didn't know is that at the age of 18, she played Nala in the London West End version of The Lion King. Yeah, do you know that? Amazing. I'm so glad that I gave some interesting pop trivia to you because why else are we here? So Javine at number four, which leads us with three places left. Beyonce, last week's number one with Crazy in Love. NME called it the best song of the noughties, but this is the same British record by public who nearly put One True Voice at number one. So who knows what could happen? And certainly the last three songs are all fantastic so any of them would be a worthy number one but will it be Beyonce with Crazy in Love Madonna with Hollywood or P exclamation mark unk with Feel Good Time at number three it is this song make a body work make a bigger hurt sell me something big and Exclamation mark unk has got a number three single there. And I must say, at the beginning of this, because I know that there are a lot of Pink fans out there. Why? I don't know. But there are. I like this song. I, in fact, love this song. It's one of my favourite songs of this year. But the Top of the Pops performance of this song is one of the most wretched performances I have ever heard in my life. It starts badly because it has an intro by Richard Bacon who delivers everything like he's an excited schoolboy who's been able to tell his favourite joke at assembly. Our next track, though, friends are friends new blockbuster Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, which I can highly recommend because of its intricate plot lines, clever characters, well-developed script and lots of birds running around in their underwear. Tough ladies, though, need a badass female to sing their theme tune and you definitely don't mess with pink. But the performance itself, usually, and I've heard at her recent Hyde Park shows, her voice was amazing and her voice is usually pretty good, but these vocals are an absolute disgrace. So here is a little glimpse of the chorus. Yeah, she doesn't attempt that note again as she goes on. There is one good thing about this performance, though. She does lick her female dancer, which is lesbian rights. Not a great Top of the Pops performance. Thank God this came out after the song of Child at number three, because I think it would have been in trouble if people were going off this. And I'm very glad that they didn't, because this is a great song, which is definitely the best part of Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Love the first film. The second film is a absolute mess. And I don't want to pile on to P exclamation mark unk, but her cameo as the head of a bike racing syndicate certainly doesn't help matters. You in charge here? You know it. I want in. 
It's a 2G buy-in. Winner takes all. Rules are, there are no rules. I'm down. Some fun facts. Actually, a Beck song originally. A William Orbit, the amazing producer who produced such things as Madonna's Ray of Light album and Pure Shores by uh, All Saints, was working on the song with Beck. Make a body work, make a bigger head, something, something bigger Beck said about this to the publication U-Wire, Pink wanted to cover my song, but in the end she just sang over my original for the single. It's kind of nice having a number one song on MTV vicariously. It's been an interesting time for me and I can definitely relate to the musical landscape. It's shape-shifting and no one knows where it's going to land. So yeah, co-written by Beck, feel good time. And you thought the new Mission Impossible film was the best thing to come out of Scientology. Yeah, Beck's a Scientologist. Did you know that? I'm giving you facts today. So it's a great song. I personally wish that Pink did more songs like this and less Just Give Me a Reasons, but maybe this song would be very hard to sing while you're doing aerial cartwheels, so maybe she couldn't do it. And chart nerds, before we move on from Pink, will want to know that this is Pink's ninth UK top 40. Of course, she'd previously had number ones with Just Like a Pill and Lady Marmalade. Another time, maybe this song could have been number one, but unfortunately, P! exclamation mark unk was coming up against the Queen of Pop and the emerging perhaps new queen of pop so she didn't have much chance but which of those two is going to be to number one is beyonce there for a second week or is madonna about to get her 10th number one with hollywood this is the song that's at number two something in the air in hollywood the sun is shining like you knew it would you in your car in Yes, Madonna's Hollywood. Continuing Madonna's streak as the queen of number twos. Don't you dare insert your own jokes about Madonna and number twos. I'll come and get you. I'll come through the wires of your headphones. As many number ones as she's had, she's had 13 number ones, but she's also had a lot of near misses. I think I read once more number two singles than any other person in the chart. Here are Madonna's number twos. Crazy for You in 1985. Holiday in 1985. Borderline in 1986. Live to Tell in 1986. Hanky Panky in July 1990, Justify My Love in December 1990, Crazy For You in March 1991, Ray Of Light in May 1998, Beautiful Stranger June 1999, and her last track, American Life in April 2003. And not to peek ahead too far, but Me Against The Music, Britney Spears featuring Madonna in November 2003, also a number two hit which at the point of recording is Madonna's last number two hit. Now, as anyone who knows me knows, I am one of the biggest Madonna fans on the planet. So I love her and I love Hollywood, but she, again, doesn't give a great Top of the Pots performance here. And in fact, I would say um, Madonna is probably the biggest star who never had a truly iconic Top of the Pops performance. And the problem is, for some reason, by the mid-2000s, most artists, apart from the most kind of manufactured pop stars, were doing live vocals. But Madonna is still miming, even though she it's not like she wasn't doing live vocals elsewhere but she still decided to mime on top of the pops and when even Javine is singing live you as the queen of pop madonna do look slightly embarrassing miming along to hollywood and especially because we love hearing things come out of madonna's mouth around this time because this in 2003 was the prime time for madonna's British accent. In fact, I love Madonna's British accent so much we are moving into another 2000s chart show chart. 
The 2000 Chart Show 2000 Charts. Yes, that's right. This is Madonna's top five most British moments. At number four. When there was something quite poetic about the fact that we're no longer in America. And there's something poetic about the fact that we are no longer in America. Number four. When the problem with the English roses was that they were a little bit jealous. The problem with the English roses was that they were all a little bit jealous. Number three. When she saw it as an excellent chance to grow as an actress. I perceive it as an excellent chance to grow as an actress. Number two. When she hadn't quite adjusted to the tabloids. I hadn't quite adjusted to the tabloids. And at number one. Of course, when she wanted to be a member of the Blue Peter Club. Oh, I want to be a member of the Blue Peter Club. Matt Baker's Blue Peter interview with Madonna. Very interesting to see Madonna and her best behaviour there as a during her time when she decided weirdly to be a children's author. More recently, she has spoken with embarrassment about her British accent period. In 2019, when she was performing in her London Palladium residency, which uh, I got to see. Uh. She said on the first night of the London dates, I didn't know what anyone was talking about until I heard old interviews of myself. And then I was horrified and flabbergasted. Why did you let me do that to myself? I'm from Michigan. It's all Guy Ritchie's fault. He made me do it. You know, not not wanting to pry too much into Madonna and Guy Ritchie's love life. But we all remember that photo of them leaving a sex shop and she's got a slightly translucent carrier bag with a strap on in it. So let's just say he may have made her do that, but she certainly made him do some things in return. So I'll leave you with that indelible image in your head as we go to this week's number one. It's second week at the top of the charts. Beyonce's Crazy in Love. In its first week at number one, it sold 72,500 copies. And in its second week, it sold an additional 46,500 copies. Are there still enough 2003 Beyonce fans out there in the UK to get her a third week? We'll find that out next week. But first, let's talk a little bit more about Crazy in Love. Fun fact about the song to start off with, it's the only song in 2003 to appear at the top spot of both the British and American charts. Lose Yourself by Eminem, also number one across the Atlantic, but it was only number one in the UK at the end of 2002, whereas it continued into January 2003 in the US. In an interview with MTV's Making the Video, the same people that Avril Lavigne talked to earlier in the show, Beyonce said that the video was a celebration of the evolution of women. It talks about a girl who is at the point of a relationship. She realises that she's in love. She's doing stuff she wouldn't normally do, but she just doesn't care. It's almost like she's crazy in love. Jay-Z's contribution to this song in which he gives the immortal line I've got the best fur chinchilla why chinchilla is the best fur I don't know is it better that the fur involve the murder of many animals rather than one larger animal that's up for Jay-Z to decide but it was a last minute addition Beyonce asked him to get on the song the night before she had to turn in Dangerously in Love again that Dangerously in Love was delayed to give Kelly Rowland's album a rush release so we definitely have Kelly Rowland to thank for Jay-Z's rap verse on this song Song Facts adds more about the Jay-Z and Beyonce relationship. He and Beyonce were dating, which made it convenient for him to make many guest appearances performing his rap. You know, you can just imagine Beyonce and Jay-Z sitting in bed being like, Honey, yeah, can you do a little rap for me? Ugh, go on then. I like to imagine Beyonce and Jay-Z like a married couple from a kind of 80s British sitcom. Maybe in separate beds, duvets up to their necks asking for each other to perform, appear on each other's shows. And that's another indelible image to leave you with. Madonna and Guy Ritchie having a strap-on sesh. Beyonce and Jay-Z chastely appearing in 
separate beds like they're the Flintstones. And what more is there to add than that this week? Well, of course, we have to hear Crazy in Love this week's number one 20 years ago. But first, please don't forget to like, rate, review and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you listen to the 2000s chart show on. All of them, likes and reviews really help in the sh- their charts And the more higher we are up the charts, the more people who get to listen, which is obviously amazing for me and amazing for you, because the more that this show gets a name for itself, we can start getting guests from the noughties to appear, which is my dream and should make for a pretty amazing show. So don't forget to like, rate, review and subscribe. And if you want more 2000s fun, you can join us at 2000s Chart Show on Twitter and at the 2000s chart show on Instagram and threads, if threads still exists when you're listening to this. And also check us out on YouTube. We are soon going to start adding episodes of Top of the Pops, episodes of this show and some songs that have not made it onto Spotify yet so you can get the full experience of this chart. But for now, I'll say goodbye and leave you with this week's number one. Here's Beyonce with Crazy in Love. The problem with the English roses was that they were all a little bit jealous.